You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com and of course I will answer as many as I can. So we had such a good time in the last show talking all about the purpose of a tabernacle and this week's Torah portion and talking about giving and, and talking about taking and and I, I, there was one last point I wanted to touch on. It'll help us get into what I want to discuss in this show, in this segment. And that is very interesting. We talked about that I have a physical body and my, and my soul is spiritual and I have difficulty connecting the spiritual and the physical. So the, the, the Hasidic masters explain the purpose of physical and spiritual that are that are being combined at this tabernacle, which is a physical building, but it's where God will rest his presence, is to teach us a very important lesson. And that is it is our job to take the mundane, the plain, physical, simple stuff and make it holy. Um every Friday night, um he doesn't live in town anymore. There was a rabbi in town. His name was Robert Jacobowitz. Probably a whole bunch of you know him. And um, when I would go to pray by him Friday night, he always gave a speech. Two minutes. And he always said the same thing. Go home and enjoy the gefilte fish. If you do not know what gefilte fish is, you need to go find out. But anyways, he would say, go home and enjoy your gefilte fish. But when you're enjoying it, Enjoy it because why are you eating it? You're eating it because it's a Sabbath. It's Shabbos. So go ahead and take your physical and enjoy it. But also have in mind, you're doing it uh, when you're having an enjoyable Sabbath meal. Doing it for the Sabbath. Um, anything I'm doing, I can take my physical. I am exercising. I can serve God better. I am sleeping so I can get up and study better. Have a clear brain to study. I'm having my cup of coffee so that I can focus better and study better. So now my cup of coffee became holy. That's amazing. Just that concept is so important. And it is a fundamental concept of this whole everything that's happening in this week's Torah portion where we are taking physical and we're connecting them to spiritual. And that's everything that's happening in this Torah portion, and we're going to talk about the Ark. Right? The Ark is basically a big box. It's going to have a cover. It's going to have poles on both sides for carrying. It's going to have the kruvim, the cherubs on top of it. And inside the box is the, the two tablets, the broken tablets, and the second tablets. There may perhaps have been a Torah scroll inside. Some say it was inside. Some say it was outside. But this box, called the Aron, is in the Holy of Holies. And from this box, God's voice will emanate, right? So this physical box 
is representative of everything spiritual, but it's wax, right? Because I can take the physical and I can turn it into spiritual. But I want to spend our time, so you want to hear more about that, listen to the last show. It was fantastic. But I want to spend this show talking more specific. We're going to focus on this box, on the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, I think they call it. Fine. So first of all, so again, what was it? So you have a big wooden box. It's a pretty big box, okay? It's a big wooden box. It's going to be covered with gold on the inside and the outside. Some say it was actually like a, a thin gold box that slid it on the inside and a, and a little bit wider gold thin box that the, the whole thing was slid into on the outside. So it's fully covered in gold. It's going to have four rings. You're going to slide two wooden poles that are covered with gold to be used to carry it. There's going to be this very thick um, cover that's going to sit on top. There's going to be like a crown that rims, like a, a rim that goes around it. And there's going to be these two um, cherubs, these two kruvim, they're, they're angel-looking, I guess, with faces of children, with wings that will cover over it, all in gold. That is what it looked like. Its purpose was really to hold the tablets. So um, what's interesting is that there's a special command on the ark. And the command was that once you put the poles in, you are not allowed to remove them. They even made it in such a way that it was not easy to take them out. If you wanted to take it out, you had to basically break the pole to, to get it out because they got to like have bulbs on the end so you couldn't really slide it all the way out. All the other vessels in the tabernacle, the 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 table and the and the altars and even the menorah that maybe had a pole that they put in a bag when they traveled, right? In the desert, we did a lot of traveling. So every time we traveled, they had to pack up the Mishkan and they had wagons to carry the 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 beams and they had wagons to carry all the heavy curtains, but the vessels were carried by the Levites. They would put on their shoulders, they'd have the poles, and they'd travel. Whenever they arrived, wherever they were arriving, wherever God says, okay, here's where we're parking. So they reset up the tabernacle, and we put on the curtains, and they put all the, all the vessels where they belonged, and then they removed the poles, right? The poles are just for carrying, except the ark. For the ark, the poles were never, were never removed. There's actually a... A, a commandment, do not remove the poles for the ark. So the obvious question, and that's what we want to spend our time discovering, is why not? Why can't? It's just for traveling purposes. If it, they serve no other purpose. So if they're just for traveling, um, why can't they just slide in and out, take them out? Like, why not? What gives? Okay. First you need to know, that the that there's a lot of symbolism going on in the tabernacle. You have the the ark represents the Torah scholars. You have the table with the showbread represents either wealth or kings. You have the menorah, which is light, which represents Torah study. You have the altar, which the inside, the golden altar, the small one, which represents the priests. We have the outside altar where the sacrifices were brought. That represents the Jewish people. There's a lot, a lot of symbolism going on, which is necessary 
in the tabernacle. So what are the poles of the ark? If the ark represents the scholars who support Torah, so what are the poles? So the poles represent the people who support Torah, who lift up the Torah, who pay, who, who give the financial support so people can study Torah and therefore we can have Torah leaders if we do not support schools, if we do not just, um, support organizations where people can sit and study, um, then where will your Torah leaders come from? Who will be the authorities in the future to tell you what the Torah is talking about? Someone's got to be there, and it ain't going to be one person, right? We need a lot of people that can teach Torah, that can explain Torah, that can tell us the laws of the Torah, that can tell us what the Torah wants, what the Torah needs, you need to support people so that we will have those Torah leaders. You got to do it. So the poles represent the people who support Torah. Um, interesting enough, the Chassam Seifer says that um, the again the poles. So again, the idea of the poles representing those who support Torah. That's going to be our our line of thinking today. And that we the Torah is saying, do not separate the supporters of Torah from those who study Torah. They must be connected. Now, there's a lot of things people say what it means not connected. One of the explanations they say is that, um, that we want the supporters to hang out with those who support Torah. We don't ask you for money and then please go away. We want you involved. We want you to study also. We want you to feel good about what you're supporting. So it is interesting the um, the Chassam Sefer says that the when we talk about support, it's really in both directions. Why? Because even though these poles were meant to carry the ark, um, and therefore it represents those who are lifting up the Torah, those who are supporting the Torah, but there's something else we have to keep in mind. And that is that this ark weighed thousands of pounds. It was the the, the cover was as thick as my hand, and it was two and a half cubits, which is, I don't know, between five and five and a half feet long, by a cubit and a half, which again is three feet, two and a half feet, right? So you do the math, okay? I got this board, five and a half feet by two and a half feet, as thick as my hand, of solid gold. So I, I don't know what it costs. Forget about what it costs. What is it weigh? And then it's on top of this humongous wooden box holding all the tablets that just managed to fit inside the box. Right, whatever. Okay, tablets made of sapphire. Okay, this is humongous weight here. What I never even understood is um, how, what kind of rings were these that didn't just bend and snap when you tried to lift up the box? Like, it just doesn't make sense. So, okay, forget about that. But the truth is, it says that the the ark actually carried itself. So that means that the Levites that are going to be holding or carrying the ark on their shoulders are not doing any carrying at all. The ark miraculously carried itself, it lifted up, and it actually lifted the people holding on. So the Levites who are officially carrying the ark on their shoulder, in truth, they are being carried. 
which means to say that the that we believe, we want to believe that when we support Torah, we are supporting Torah, which is how we're supposed to look at it. But we need to remember that the world is supported by the Torah. So the people supporting the Torah, in truth, are being supported by the Torah. So we think we're giving when in truth we're really taking, which is takes us full circle back to what we talked about in the last show. And again, if you missed it, you got to go back and listen to it. A lot of important stuff. So it comes out like this. There was a very famous person by the name of the Rebchanina ben Daisa. God says about this Rebchanina ben Dosa, the Rebchanina ben Dosa, he's the world-leading Torah scholar. And the Torah of Rebchanina ben Dosa supports the world. But this Rebchanina ben Dosa is satisfied with a basket of carob from week to week. Now, what's fascinating about this sentence, about this statement from God, is this Rebchanim ben Dosa is satisfied with the carob, right? Well, it's a play on words, right? Because carob, which is buxer uh, in Yiddish, for those who remember growing up in school getting a black buxer, it was pretty rock hard. But it's the same word, it's a play on word for the cherubs, for the keruvim that were on top of the ark. Because everything comes back to the Torah. The Torah is supporting the world. The world is supporting the Torah. And, uh, and, the, and the, these, these symbolic figures of children on top represent, we're going to see, God's love for the Jewish people, um, how we look up to God, uh, the concept of, of peace and harmony, all these things which we're going to try to talk about if I can get past this business with the poles, but so far I'm not doing very well. But we'll keep going. Um, another concept of the poles and the ark, and the poles can't be removed from the ark, um, there's a medrash. The medrash says that we have to show that we're constantly ready for travel, so we don't want to take any time to get things ready to go. I, what about the other vessels? I saw an answer perhaps that the other vessels, people are walking around. So you can't have poles. They're going to bang into it. The ark is on its own in the Holy of Holies. So when we're ready to travel and the ark leads the way for traveling, so, uh, well, there are really two arks for that. It's a little complicated, but but uh, we want to be ready to move immediately. Um, there's a chizkuni. The chizkuni says that the ark is so holy, we need reminders. We don't touch holy stuff. Some things are so holy, we, we need to take a step back and make sure we don't touch. If there's always poles there, you're not going to come touch it. You're just going to go to the poles, pick it up, or be picked up by those poles, and you won't come to touch it. Very, very important. It also shows, by the way, dignity. Something that, that we're careful not to touch is a sign of respect. Right? There are things we don't touch. Right, Our parents will tell us that please don't touch these things because we're afraid they'll be broken. They are special. They are important to me. I don't want them to get damaged. It's a, it's a level of, of respect. Um, you know, as a bad example, but if you would go, if you've ever gone to an art museum, and I've gone to some, and I've been there, hung around, looked at the paintings, tried to take something from it. But people that, are, that like artwork... Right? You learn, you don't, nobody walks over and touches the paint. Nobody goes and touches the sculpture. 
right? You don't touch. These things have value. Now, that's just a monetary value, right? But here we're talking about a spiritual value. You've got to be careful what you touch, okay? There's a Me'iri. The Me'iri says, on a more philosophical plane, the Me'iri says that poles equal the mundane, right? Not holy, right? And it's telling us even these poles that represent physical, right? Representing carrying. Carrying is physical, right? You don't get more physical than a, a physical laborer, right? That is as physical as it gets, right? So the pole represents the mundane. And like we started the show, that the mundane, all our actions should have, need to have, we want them to have a spiritual aspect as well. So my mundane must be connected to the most holy, right? My mundane poles stay connected to the spiritual arc to teach me, to show me that all physical needs spiritual as well. Again, each person on his level. And like we said at the beginning, I exercise, I sleep, all my things I, I can I can be completely physical and say it's for my own personal well-being. Or I can say, why do I need my physical well-being? So I can serve God. You just made all your physical spiritual. And that is amazing. Um, Sam Zerfel Hirsch, who we've actually talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks, he says, if you think about it, we take the altar, we put it down, take out the poles. We take the menorah, which is light, and we put it down. And we take the table with the showbread and we put it down. These are all things that have that are showing it's a fixed location. The fact is, we want to lead spiritual lives, but we also lead a secular life, right? We have a physical life, we have a spiritual life. We have to earn a living. We have to we have to work. The olden days they worked the farms, right? We we must be physical, but we also want to be spiritual. So there's things with a fixed location, and then we have the ark, which is fully spiritual, and that's telling me that when it comes to Torah, Torah is not bound by any place, time, place. Actually, the tabernacle. Um, one of the miracles they discussed with the ark was it didn't take up any space. What does that mean? Look, you see a big box in the middle of the room. What do you mean it doesn't take up space? What it means is that if you would measure from wall to ark and from ark to wall, you would get the full room as if it wasn't there. Because it is spiritual and it's totally spiritual. And the point is that when it comes to Torah, it is not dependent on location. A lot of our businesses are dependent on location. Our physical is dependent on location. But our Torah is not dependent on location, which is a lesson we've discussed numerous times in the past. And that is that, that I can study Torah. I can learn Torah anywhere. There's no such thing as I can only learn here. It's going to be the perfect location and the perfect time and the perfect place. You can learn and study Torah anywhere. Wherever the Jewish people have been, wherever the Jewish people end up, we can always study Torah. Okay, so I wanted to spend some time discussing these kruvim, these cherubs, these forms of children, as children's faces, with these wings. Um, 
the the whole concept behind these cherubs is very problematic. Um, but first, what do they represent? So as I told you, some say they represent um, because they look like children. So they represent the the Torah scholars are like children, right? The children never finish studying. Torah scholars never finish studying. Children have the ability to arouse mercy. When your kids ask for something, when they cry, when they want something, when they're hurt, we feel bad for them. We take care of them. That's what parents do for children, right? Children have an amazing ability to tug at our heartstrings, right? That's mercy. And that's what we're asking God, right? God, we need mercy. Don't deal with us with with judgment. Don't be strict with us. We're like children. So we ask God for stuff, and we plead for God with stuff, like children. You plead like children. I don't want to say you, you act silly like children, but you, you plead like children. You act like children. You look at yourself as a child when you're talking to God. You're innocent. You're pure. Um, and then you'll get God's mercy. That's a different repre- representation. Also shows it represents uh, the love between Israel and God. It also tells us how precious children are to us, and therefore it's something that we always circle back to, that everything comes back to a Torah education, to a Jewish education. The Ark represents Torah, and these children are on top of the Ark. So what better symbolism could you have than saying that we must make sure to educate our children? I mean, that is right there, just an amazing, amazing lesson. But with my couple minutes left, let's try to, to clarify why, why aren't they idols. They're forms. In the holiest room, we have so many times the Torah repeats over and over and over again. You can't have idols. You can't forget serving idols. You can't make idols. You can't make images. So how do you make these? Kruvim. How is it possible? And there's a lot of answers, and we're not going to have time even to get through that many, but... Just to give us a starting point. There's a Barbanel. The Barbanel says, The images are only forbidden if you plan on worshipping them. If the purpose of the image is to worship, um, to act as intermediaries between us and God, that's idol worship. It's also something we touched on in the last segment. Right? But if... If the, if the purpose of these kruvim, of these cherubs, is not meant as an intermediary, but it's, it's, it's symbolic of all the things we talked of, by the way. And the Abbaminal says, and, and as he says, the, and the eternal link we have with God, our connection to God, our reminder of God's influence, right? Because they're children, right? And God takes care of us, like parents take care of children, right? In that case, the Abbaminal says, there is, it's not idol worship. It's not an idol, and therefore it's no problem. The Kuzari says that the golden calf, the problem with the golden calf was that we were trying to pray to God through an image. We were trying to make our worshiping more concrete. That, I told you a whole bunch of reasons what these Krubim are for. Therefore, there's no problem. Now, there's still rules and regulations. You cannot have forms of these kruvim in synagogue. Why? Because very easy, if you put these forms up in a synagogue, very easy for people to get confused and say that, uh, oh, I'm praying through these 
forms, through these images. So God had to make it very clear that you can only make these two. Okay, Solomon made another two that he put into the actual Holy of Holies. But to put them anywhere else where people could see them, see, you know, you can't see. The, no one goes into the Holy of Holies except the high priest on Yom Kippur. But the rest of us don't get to look inside the Holy of Holies. We don't see the Holy of Holies. So we won't come to make that mistake to even imagine that we are using these as intermediaries to pray to God. But if you put them in your synagogue, if you put them in your house, if you put them in your temple, if you put them in your in your study hall, very easy to make such a mistake. Therefore, the Torah says you can't make any more. These are the only ones you're allowed to have. And the music is playing. And therefore, we got to cut it short. But as always, I hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you to wonderful sponsors and listeners. I couldn't do it without you. Thank you, of course, to the wonderful production team. We have David, Kelsey, Alan, and Jay in the back. I hope I left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.